0: Well, one thing I like to do sometimes is to actually think this uh, negative feeling because in its own well-intended way, this negative feeling is trying to protect you from something you are afraid of. And more often than not, that probably stems from childhood or really massive family dynamics. Maybe then you could do a ritual where um, you're telling this demon well, thank you for protecting me, but I don't need your protection anymore. So you are free to go. And then you can ask yourself, well, what do I want to bring in instead? And what is great about this process is that you get to decide what the new narrative is around something that makes you uncomfortable.
1: I stay- Hey, and welcome back to another episode of the Think Grow podcast, where personal development meets real life. I'm your host, Ruben Chavez, and today I'm speaking with Yumi Sakugawa. Yumi is a comic artist based in California, and she's also the author of... A book that has made it onto several of my personal book recommendation lists on my blog and the book is called Your Illustrated Guide to Becoming One with the Universe and it is a gem. It it takes these abstract and often esoteric spiritual concepts and puts them into simple language that you can really grab onto. And of course, as the title suggests, it also has accompanying illustrations, which are whimsical and strange and beautiful all at the same time. Arguably, the illustrations are the best part of the book, so I highly recommend checking it out. And a good portion of my conversation with Yumi is centered around one of these ideas that she puts forth in her book that she talks about, and she refers to it as having cake and tea with your demons. And what she's pointing to is a very ancient spiritual idea, which is basically that instead of avoiding or ignoring the dark or undesirable parts of yourself, instead of pretending that they're not there, you actually face them. You invite your demons to sit down with you and have a slice of cake and a cup of tea. And in doing so, you learn about how to integrate that part of yourself into the world rather than always hiding it from the world. So this is just a a very intriguing idea for me. It's an idea that also shows up in psychology. Carl Jung uh, wrote about this and referred to this aspect of ourselves as the shadow. And I think this is an idea that isn't talked about enough in kind of the personal development field uh, or the world of personal development as as it were. And it's something that that I'm really interested in, like I said, and and I want to shine more light on and I think it should be talked about more often because, you know, a lot of personal development has this tone of positivity and that's good. I mean, there's a place for that for sure. But, you know, we're, we're complex animals and we have parts of ourselves that we don't even talk about because they're... They're too dark to even bring up. And And so integrating those parts into our into our lives and kind of embodying them rather than being separate from them is just such a, a such an important step on our evolution to becoming whole and on our journey to becoming to fulfilling our unique potentials. It's something I want to explore more. This is kind of a good intro, I, I'd say to, to this idea. I, I think you'll find Yumi really fun and um, funny and endearing and uh, very smart. So uh, let me know what you think. Um, I give you Yumi Sakugawa. Yumi, thank you for being here.
0: Thank you for having me, Ruben.
1: Yeah, of course. Um, I've been cracking up at your on your Instagram page. You've been posting, and we were just talking about this. Your metaphysical sext serious and um and I I, want to get into like you know what what you do, like who you are, but I also like want you to kind of talk about just as a funny entry point what this is about and, and maybe read one of these metaphysical sexts
0: i'm so glad you brought up metaphysical sex um for those of you who are not familiar with it it's um, a short series i did on my instagram where i imagined the idea of what if people sexted each other but instead of the usual dirty talk it kind of went into these metaphysical five-dimensional realms um talking about enlightenment and transcendence and ego death. Um, and also, um, on a personal level, I, I started really seriously online dating this year. It's been my personal goal of mine to to be less afraid of um, going on dates and um, just uh, being really open and vulnerable to the whole process. And I've been thinking about how online dating kind of is this um, really – Um, rigorous spiritual practice in surrendering and um, letting go of expectations while being open-minded, while being rooted in your own boundaries and preferences and desires. And so I think um, this, this, this all came up. So I'll read one in particular that I really liked, and it goes like this. Have you done role play before? When I come home, I want you to already be dressed up in your temporal human vessel, accessorized with all your lifetime's worth of human stories about loneliness and injustice and pain, and then one by one, I slowly undress the layers of your idea of yourself until you're nothing more than infinite eternal consciousness connected to all things existing in the now. LOL, sorry, is that too much? I know we just met. Hello?
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I love that. That's it. That's so good. Yeah, it's 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 so funny because obviously, like, I mean, it's just such a good confluence of um, a, a, what could be a very superficial, conversation and often is in that format, you know, like, Hey, are you up? Like, what are you doing? It's very superficial. And and then come, and then kind of integrating that with something that's just so, so profound and deep and meaningful. Right. So I love that. Very, very creative. How did, so, I mean, w- what, what is the, the bigger picture? Like, how do you describe what it is that, that you do and, and how did you start on the path to doing it?
0: So I am a comic book artist and illustrator based in Los Angeles. I also um, have really been into meditation and mindfulness practice. And so a lot of my own personal explorations with meditation, mindfulness and mental health gets covered in the work that I do. And so in the last Five years, I've published about five books and many, many self-published mini comics and zines before that. And whether they are short stories or um, illustrated meditation guides, I, I really love exploring the idea of intimacy and living in the present moment and what it means to be a human being, whether it's a story about living in outer space and doing interdimensional travel or just reminding people that it's okay to just go through life one breath at a time and really being fully present to the moment that's happening right here right now and uh, it's been a really interesting creative journey in addition to working on books that I publish and illustrate. I've also had the opportunity to work on art installations and museums and galleries, and also uh, facilitate and lead quite a number of meditation and mindfulness workshops around mental health and getting in touch with your own creative spark.
1: Is this the work that you knew you were going to do, like be, be an artist, talk about spirituality, or is this something that you kind of fell into after trying different things?
0: That's a really good question. I I feel like I've always known that I wanted to do something creative. I was this really shy, introverted kid. And so drawing and reading and coming up with stories, that was just sort of the perfect activity for me to escape into my own little world. And so I, I grew up really wanting to do something creative, whether it was becoming a novelist or an animator or a cartoonist. And then I uh, studied art at UCLA as a part of their art program. And so I always had this inclination to explore both visuals and also narratives. I was also in an Asian American theater group at UCLA. So that also sparked the writing part of me of crafting short stories Um, But the whole spirituality part, that was actually completely um, unexpected. I didn't get into meditation until a year after college when I really fell into this deep depression and I didn't have my usual resources as I was working abroad in Japan where I didn't have access to medication or therapy or my usual uh, friend support group. And so very unexpectedly, I came across Eckhart Tolle's book, A New Earth. I also was recommended David Lynch's book on creativity and meditation, Catching the Big Fish. And so I think when I was in this dark place where I had nothing else to turn to, I just threw myself into meditation as my one final lifeboat because I didn't know what else to do. And surprise, surprise, it ended up transforming my life completely. And so... Then meditation just really informed my own creative practice and started as a topic just really showing up a lot into my work. And so I never anticipated that. Though I did grow up loving reading advice columns and self-help books. So I guess in hindsight, it's not that surprising. But at the time, it's something I would have never expected for myself.
1: Yeah, it's so funny how... um often the thing that we kind of are here to do is right under our nose for for so long, you know, and we just never recognize it. And then once we do, it's like, oh, obviously, yeah, you know, there it is. I'm kind of the same in in the same boat. I've been, I've been reading like kind of self-help personal development books since I was a, a teenager. And I've been writing, you know, separately from that I've been writing about my own thoughts and trying to sort out my own thoughts and philosophies since I was also like early, early teens. And so, it's just funny how those kind of manifest and it's like, "Oh, well, what should I do with my life?" Oh, the thing that I've been doing all the time.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Um and I think I think maybe sometimes in our society we have this Sort of self-flagellation, like, oh, it, if it comes to me so easily, then surely uh, it's it's wrong for me to get paid a lot of money to do this thing that comes to me so easily.
1: <laughs> exactly, yeah, no, but it, yeah, I, this um, one of my favorite thinkers and, and authors is named Derek Sivers, and he says, he says, um, what's obvious to you is amazing to others, and I think that's so true. Like you. The things you take for granted are like your superpowers often. You know, the things that you can do easily, other people envy those things often. So that's an important thing to recognize.
0: Absolutely. And uh, I'm so glad you brought up that quote um, because that reminds me that a few years ago, my uh, really good friend, Krista um who founded the Pink Pussy Hat Project, uh, so she's the brainchild behind the The pink knitted hats that everybody was wearing after um, the 2016 election and the women's marches all around the world. And I connected with her because we're both self-help nerds and creatives. And so as a gift to me a few years ago, she gave me Strength Finder 2.0. Have you used that before, Ruben?
1: You know what? I'm embarrassed to say, like that is on my it's been on my list for years, and I literally have not. Re- this this just evaded me. I haven't read that book.
0: So it's I it's a quiz that you take online, and and then in the book uh, you find the I want to say three or four strengths that are very specific to you that you're good at, and it really blew my mind because I think when we think of Talents and skills, we usually think of sort of the more tangible, obvious things like, oh, you're good at designing, you're good at math and accounting, you're good at science, you're good at uh, visual arts. But what I love about Strength Finder 2.0 is that it really points out the invisible things that people can be really good at that I think gets overlooked because we just don't know how to look for them. And so in my case, uh, one of the things that came up for me was ideation. So coming up with new ideas. Um, another thing was adaptability. So uh, being able to be thrown into different situations and sort of not freaking out and figuring things out as things come up. Um, another another strength was restoration. So being able to look at a system, see what's working, not working, and being able to make things more efficient for everybody. And so I, I think once I made those um, skills that I didn't even know that I had more conscious, and it made other aspects of what I loved to do in the past make more sense, and it became easier for me to then uh, hone in on whether or not certain career or project situations would play to my strengths. So I highly recommend it, Ruben, and to anybody reading this podcast, because it could totally change your life.
1: Yeah, I think self-awareness is just so key. Like understanding what, what it is that makes you tick and, and what what uh, excites you and, and what you're interested in is, is all going to help you kind of get on the path that you need to be on. I, I, are, you, are you familiar with Jonathan Field's work?
0: No, I'm not.
1: He—he's uh, a friend of mine. He's on the podcast. Uh, been on the podcast a couple of, a couple of times, but he has something fairly similar. Um, I haven't done the 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 Strengths Finder, but um, he's he's created a framework that you might you might like. I mean, you've done this work, so you know maybe you won't get as much value out of it. But I think that for people listening who haven't done this work yet, um, it's worth checking out. It's, it's called uh, a and it's basically like. He's, he's used a lot of different positive psychology research and and personality research and things like that that have gone into this this framework and it's a kind of a system for understanding the essential nature of what it is that that you're meant to do and it's ten different like archetypes right Th- and and he called them sparkotypes because they're things that spark you and so I love that yeah it's it's really cool and it's not like some like simple. Uh, superficial questionnaire. It's like a, it's, it's a, it's a pretty meaty um, system of sorts. And so I think that the people will find value in that, but anything that helps you understand yourself better, I say is, is good.
0: Absolutely.
1: You mentioned that Eckhart Tolle, Tolle was an inspiration to you early on and kind of helped kind of sparked your, your spiritual journey. I, I didn't know that actually. I didn't know that um, before this interview. And I have always, like I've talked about your book, um, your illustrated guide to becoming the one with the universe. I've talked about it several times on my, um, on my blog and it's included in a couple different book recommendation lists that I've um, put out there. And I've always said that like this is a very good introduction or – Companion guide, even to Eckhart Tolle's teachings, and I, I, I didn't know you were a, you were a, you were a fan. You know, I didn't know that you 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 were inspired by him. But it's it's now it's very clear that that's that's the case. Because what I love about your your illustrated guide to becoming to become one with the universe. By the way, do you ever call it Yigbautu Yigbotu? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's the acronym that I came up with. It's so long. You ever call it that?
0: You know, I haven't, but I feel like now I need to start doing that.
1: (laughs) You're about to. Anyway. Yeah. Your illustrated guide to becoming one with the universe. That's the book that I'm most familiar with of yours. And that has resonated with me the most and that I think my audience um, really will, will resonate with. And so, but I, I always talk about how it's, it's such a great companion guide to these, these deep spiritual teachings and, Not only because you you simplify these concepts and, you know, say them in in few words, explain them in very few words, um, but you also have really beautiful illustrations that go along with them. And I think that's really important. So I wanted to first thank you for that, because I think a lot of people, for a lot of people, like some of these more esoteric spiritual teachings are a little bit inaccessible sometimes, and when you get something that's more simple and, and illustrated, but still very deep and meaningful and impactful, I think that's just so useful.
0: I'm so glad you said that, Ruben. Um, thank you. And and that is a goal of mine where I really want meditation to be accessible to everybody. And um, I think another one reason why I felt inspired to start making comics about meditation was that when I, uh, after I discovered meditation and I started really getting into it, uh, the funny, the funny little career path that I had for a hot second was that I worked at an internet startup company founded by uh, Deepak Chopra's daughter Malika Chopra, and. Santa Monica. And so for a couple of years, I was helping curate blog content around meditation, mindfulness, spirituality. And what was really interesting to me was that I I found that a lot of content around meditation and mindfulness, I really thought there was this lost opportunity to make more accessible visual guides and so it was really exciting for me as a comic book art, comic book artist to just be like okay well I don't really see meditation comics out there I think I can illustrate and convey what I've been learning for myself in a way that is accessible and easy to understand to people because I definitely can relate to people who keep hearing from everybody like oh meditate meditate meditation is great all the ceos are doing it it'll improve your mental health and creativity meditation meditation but then people are like well what the hell is meditation like what is it what do you do um and so and so i love giving people that really easy entry point where it's not about doing it right it's not about the dogma it really is all about the attention and attention you bring to the practice and you can shape it in however you want um, in a way that works for your lifestyle and your needs and your particular preferences.
1: Yeah, I'm, I could be wrong, but I'm not even sure that in your illustrated guide to becoming one with the universe, I'm not even sure that you mentioned the word meditation. I think it's just like you, you explain these like, and that's a good thing, I think, because sometimes you can just conceptualize this abstract idea of meditation or anything really without actually doing it, and it becomes more of a concept than it does a practice. And so, um, in in there's definitely like motifs of mindfulness and meditation in your book, but you don't like come out right, come right out and say, "Oh, here's how you meditate," like, "Oh, here's how you be mindful." Like, it's it's more like. Here's an assignment from like, you call it you call them assignments from the universe. I think it's like, oh, breathe in, you know, all the I forgot how you put it exactly. Oh, you know, all the the negativity or whatever it is, and and so you actually give the actionable steps rather than presenting it as this this abstract concept that people need to to do.
0: Gosh, Ruben, way to ruin my secret plan. I'm
1: just <laughs> <laughs> There you go. So see, it, it's impactful though. It works. I love it. So how would you, how would you, so again, if I haven't said it enough, let me say it again. The title of this book, it's long, but I love it. Your Illustrated Guide to Becoming One with the Universe. For someone who, let's say, needs a little bit more, um, concrete language, what would you, how would you translate this idea of becoming one with the universe to someone who's, who's, who maybe wouldn't instinctively pick up that, that kind of a book? Because I want the, I think the the concepts are important and I think it's, I think it's useful to expose people, the, the most amount of people to these ideas as possible. So how, how would you, how would you connect that to someone who, who doesn't necessarily resonate with, with becoming one with the universe? What's a more, concrete way to ground that.
0: Well, I feel like in simplest terms, it's how can you feel more connected to your own life? I think it's it's not about this grandiose thing of oh, you need to quit your job and go on a retreat to Nepal and do this whole um, eat pray love journey. I think it's it's just like are you are you paying attention? to your own life? Or are you numbing yourself out with work, Netflix, drama, with friends, family, relationships? Are you showing up? And are you doing what you love? Or are you numbing and distracting yourself and tuning out? I think that's ultimately what I want people to ask themselves and if they are tuning out, if they are just kind of feeling numb and disconnected from what's going on in their lives right now, then I'm hoping that my book and other similar like-minded books can help you align yourself, uh, realign yourself to a life, to a mindset where you are feeling really connected and excited and you feel really good about your life, um, where you are in the present moment and also where you're going.
1: I love that. I think that that does clarify things a bit being connected with, with your life. Um, in the book, I mean, there, there's like, I think nine or so different spiritual principles and like all of them are so useful. And one of them that really stuck out to me, and I know I'm not unique in this, I I know that a lot of people resonate with this one in particular, is having uh, cake and tea with your demons. And this is such a powerful metaphor for the idea of, well, it's it's a very old and very deep spiritual principle that's expressed in a lot of different ways, I think. So, you know, Carl Jung talks about, uh, making the the unconscious conscious you know and I think that's maybe one way of looking at it and you know Eckhart totally talks about what you resist persists like what you accept transcend you transcend it's this idea of facing the dark parts of yourself facing your pain not turning away from it and in doing so paradoxically you you transcend it and you go beyond it. You know, another Joseph Campbell. He's like the the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek, and I think that's another expression of this this idea. But and so I just think that's so interesting to to see how these things are expressed in different ways. I, I've given my two cents. Can you tell people what having cake and tea with demons means to you and what that's all about?
0: Oh yeah, I, I'm so happy to hear that. This chapter in particular resonated with you because I, I think it is also my own personal favorite as well, and, and something I, I really think about all the time. Actually, there is a Rumi quote that I absolutely love, which definitely inspired this chapter. It's a poem about how you should treat every uh, emotion and feeling as an esteemed house guest. So even the really troublesome and chaotic emotions that throw your furniture and create a mess in your living room you should give especially those feelings this attention and space and non-judgmental compassion and allow them to stay as long as they need to in the vessel of your home and And so, and definitely Eckhart Tolle, he talks a lot about the idea of the pain body, which is sort of all your very raw and vulnerable trigger points, where once it gets triggered, whether it's a stray comment that a coworker says, or a certain tone of voice that your mother or father uses, it just suddenly triggers this automatic response that kind of does feel like a demonic possession where you're on this sort of automatic um, response panic survival mode and you're lashing out and then, and then that pain body kind of goes, goes dormant. And you're just like, Oh my God, what just happened? Who am I? And and so I, I think about that a lot and, and yeah, definitely as all the things you mentioned, I think there's a reason why um, artists and philosophers and visionaries and, Seekers, they they keep saying in more or less the same words, um, the darkest part of you is where the greatest treasure lies. And I've definitely found that to be the case for myself, where the more I'm willing to really excavate um, my deepest wounds, um, the parts of me that bring me the most shame, uh, the more I'm able to ultimately find peace with myself because I'm not fighting against myself. I'm very clearly seeing what's going on inside of me and i'm not scared of it or feeling like i need to constantly push it down or hide it from people which then means that i can authentically show up in my own life and also in relation to other people as well
1: yeah that, that's so powerful it's it's well because we have this tendency to run away from the dark parts of ourselves, run away from our pain, run away from the things that we think, the aspects of our personality that we think are ugly or whatever. And and you're saying, and as many philosophers and spiritual teachers have also said, uh, that no, no, actually that's wrong. We shouldn't do that. We, we need to face those things. And the reason is because when we face them, they're no longer an external force that is unconscious, but rather we're we're integrating them in a way that we have more more power over them.
0: Absolutely. Um I, I feel like instead of those dark parts subconsciously pulling the puppet strings behind your back, you got to decide um who's steering the driving wheel.
1: I, I mean I think it's so interesting because this idea has been talked about for for a long time in, in philosophy and spirituality, but, you know, it's also been validated uh, to, to a large degree by science and, and by modern psychology. Like if you take exposure therapy, for example, you know, exposure therapy is, is kind of helping the patient voluntary, voluntarily confront the things that they're afraid of um, or the aspects of their life that they're, that they're avoiding the problematic aspects of their life that they're avoiding. And, and that, not only makes them less scared, it makes them more courageous and and that 's been shown in a lot of different studies and, and I just think that's so interesting because that 's a modern kind of way that're we're, that we're doing that to me it 's comforting to see these these different principles manifest in different ways across time and across cultures
0: oh yeah, absolutely
1: so, so I love this idea like invite your demons for cake and tea how do you go about doing that? How do you go about sitting down with your demons metaphorically? How do you go about accepting, let's say these, these different aspects of, of your personality or of your, your life? Like what are some of the steps you can take to do that? And and maybe you can give examples from your own life.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. Um, well, I think the first step is just giving yourself permission to fully feel your emotions. Um, I think a lot of us fall into the trap of having secondary emotions about primary emotions. So, for example, you might be annoyed by your partner. And then you have that secondary emotion of like, oh, I feel bad that I'm annoyed at my partner. Or you're feeling really um, angry or sad. And then you get that secondary emotion of like, oh, well, I shouldn't be feeling angry or sad. And so that's, I think, a muscle that uh, many of us need to practice, which is really fully giving space to our emotions, um, even if they make us uncomfortable, especially if they make us uncomfortable. Um, and another daily practice, in addition to meditating, which which I really absolutely love, is a practice that um, the artist Julia Cameron recommends in her creative handbook, The Artist's Way, which which I also highly recommend. Um, so she has this daily ritual that she just religiously prescribes to everybody who wants to live a more creative life and be more attuned to their, to their creativity, which is to always uh, first thing in the morning to fill three notebook pages of stream of conscious writing. Uh, and it doesn't matter how good or bad it is, you can just be writing. I hate morning pages. This exercise is stupid um, 20 times. And that's 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 perfectly valid. And I think what this, this exercise does is that it, it gives space to emotions and feelings that you might feel uncomfortable articulating to others or to yourself. So you're giving yourself this safe space and outlet to vocalize um, in the privacy of your own uh, morning practice, things that may be on your mind that... Maybe you don't give yourself space to feel and talk about in your waking real life around other people. And and another thing is to notice when things annoy you or trigger you. Um, I forget who said this. Maybe it was Debbie Ford, but the idea that when you're pointing your finger at somebody pointing out a flaw of theirs there are three fingers pointing back and so the idea that um things you don't like in other people more often than not there are things that you're deeply insecure about yourself and so I think then it's the mindful practice of paying attention to what are the things that trigger me is it um really overbearing people who take up a lot of space maybe you feel um within yourself this anger at yourself that you don't give yourself permission to to give yourself space or um Maybe you get uh, triggered and threatened by bossy, domineering people uh, because you don't give give yourself permission to vocalize your own needs, or maybe you get triggered by um, mousy, insecure people who are pushovers because you see that in yourself and you hate it. And so I think when you have a certain feeling or quality in other people that make you uncomfortable, then it's this really good opportunity to set aside some time to really sit with it. And I really recommend making a ritual out of it, where maybe you light a candle and you set a timer for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, and and maybe you do literally have a cup of tea, and you're just like... Hey, uh uncomfortable negative feeling, emotion demon. I'm here for you, and I just want to hear what you have to say. And just um just write down or make a voice memo of what thoughts and feelings and epiphanies come up. And I think the more you do it, the more you have compassion and sympathy for why you feel this. Negative feeling because more often than not these negative feelings it's probably a really disowned part of you that needs the most love
1: mm. yeah I, I I love that so when you when you identify the negative feeling when you identify the thought the whatever it is that you're not not facing um, I like the idea of recording it in a, vo- a voice memo or, or something like that. Do you find that that is kind of the beginning of the end for that, that negative, um, that negative thought or that, that whatever it is that you're trying to repress, or is there something else that that can kind of help to, is there something else that needs to be done after that? Or is just the illumination of, of that uh, dark part of yourself, all that's needed?
0: I'm so glad you asked that Ruben because I think the next important step then is to ask yourself well one thing I like to do sometimes is to actually thank this uh, negative feeling because in its own well-intended way this negative feeling is trying to protect you from something you are afraid of and more often than not that probably stems from childhood or really up family dynamics um <laughs> so so maybe then you could do a ritual where um you're telling this demon well thank you for protecting me but i don't need your protection anymore so you are free to go and then you can ask yourself, well, what do I want to bring in instead? And what is great about this process is that you get to decide what the new narrative is around something that makes you uncomfortable.
1: I, I do like the idea of of rituals and like actually acting out the metaphor too. That that's really smart because. I mean, that could be a meditation practice in and of itself, you know, like having cake and tea with demons and just having a, pouring yourself a cup of tea and maybe a slice of cake and and then just sitting there (laughs) and literally, (laughs) literally summoning your, your dark parts, you know, I think that's so smart.
0: Yeah. Or maybe it could be that you're writing a letter to your demon and vice versa. Maybe you're stepping into your demon's perspective and writing a letter to yourself. And the other uh, ritual that I want to offer, uh, because sometimes it feels a little intimidating to just step into your very um, repressed shadow parts of yourself. Um, Sometimes it helps to do it with a friend. And so this is an exercise that I read from Mama Gina's School of the Womanly Arts, uh, which is another book I absolutely love. And the author describes this process as spring cleaning, where you're sitting with another friend. Uh, one person is just asking a question and the other person is answering. So one person can be asking, so tell me about your thoughts on, and it could be whatever highly charged topic you want to choose, like love or money or sex relationships men like tell me about your attitudes on money and then the other person is just able to stream of conscious just say whatever is on their mind like i grew up um really poor and so i i feel like money is a limited resource and there's never enough and people with money are bad people or i i once spent a lot of money on a jacket and my mother shamed me for it and so it's this uh, 20 minute process where you're just spilling out whatever comes to mind around a highly charged topic and the person asking the question is not offering advice is not adding his or her or their own commentary they're just holding space and at the end of the process the person just says thank you and then you take, you switch, and take turns. So that's another really interesting way of getting in touch with your demons and uncovering and excavating whatever uh, uncomfortable feelings or attitudes that have been dormant that you may have never consciously realized that you were carrying in your body for all these years.
1: Mm. So this is doing it with someone. You're advocating doing this with another person, like actually. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you think this can be done like asking yourself? I mean, I love that idea, but I'm wondering if you can do this exercise like you play both roles.
0: Oh, yeah, I think so, too. I think you can set a timer and just 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 speak it out loud. I I imagine that working really well, too.
1: That's really good. I, I really love these these strategies like are you going to write a book on a little bit more because these, like these nuances and these specific strategies aren't in the illustrated guide. So I'm really glad that I asked you, Um, but are you going to write a book about uh, any of these or articulating these concepts a little bit more or is that too much?
0: No, it's never too much Ruben. Um, (laughs) I, yeah, you know, I have been thinking about shadow integration quite a lot. So, I I don't have any concrete plans, but I, but I love hearing from my readers uh, what aspects of my books and art particularly resonate with them, and I'm always listening. So so that's really good to hear.
1: So this is shadow integration. This is the sa- this is the concept that Carl Jung talks about. Is this essentially the the same thing?
0: I want to say it is. I'm not such a Jung scholar, but. I'm going to say yes. <laughs>
1: okay. Yeah. No, I mean, from what I know, I'm with you. Um, but from what I know, uh, it's this is of the psychological concept of doing shadow work or shadow integration. You know, this, this seems to be very much in line with that. And I mean, it's just, I just think it's so important because honestly, I, I don't think it's talked about enough in the mainstream world of self-help. Um, And it, maybe it is, maybe I'm just missing it, but I think that it's, um, you you know, it's a really important, you know, I think it's not talked about that much because it's not, it's scary, you know, like, it's not like um, setting goals and visualizing your, your future exactly the way you want it. Like it's actually in many ways, the opposite. It's like, getting really getting your hands dirty and visualizing the bad stuff and and you know and so i think that's probably why it's not talked about
0: you know someone needs to be an instagram influencer and shadow integration (laughs) where it's like where you just like look like shit and you show like the really bad parts like i want to follow that person
1: Oh, damn. For anybody listening, that is an opportunity. That That's a really... I love that idea. It's like, yeah, don't like... Take the opposite of the highlight reels. Like literally the lowest points, you know? Integrate that into your feed.
0: Yeah. Maybe that's the next trend that's going to happen. Um, the pendulum's just got to swing the other way at some point, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> if it is the next trend, we... They'll be traced back to this conversation, I think, and it will be like, "Oh man, Yumi and Ruben really set this off."
0: Totally predicted
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I, I we're, we're coming up on 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 time here, but I, I want to just go over one more little lesson here that I really liked, and it's something that I often talk about in on on Think Girl Prosper and on this podcast, um and it's the idea of uh, it's it's lesson two in your in your book, and it's pay attention and listen. Emptiness is everything. You know, I think there's so much wisdom packed into the idea of pay attention. And I've talked about this before, but the reason I started doing this is because there's just, there's so much self-help advice out there that sometimes it can be overwhelming. And so I started creating like these categories of things that these categories for, to, to kind of organize the strategies and the principles and all these ideas. And there's a lot that goes into the pay attention is one of those categories. And, you know, like, for example, gratitude, the idea of, of, uh, being grateful is about paying attention to the good in your life. Like mindfulness and meditation are really about paying attention to the present moment, like your breath, uh, the nature of your mind, you know, those kind of things. Um, self-awareness, that concept is paying attention to the positive and the negative aspects of yourself and leveraging them, you know. So there's all these different ways that pay attention shows up. And I love that you talk about that in, in your book and in, in lesson two. Can you expand on what it is that, that you're talking about, what, how pay attention manifests for you in this book?
0: Yes, I I think it's really inspired a lot by Eckhart Tolle's books, especially The Power of Now, where he just beautifully emphasizes again and again how the past and the future are just mental concepts in your head. So the only true thing is this now, this present moment. It's just not possible for you To live in the past or the future that doesn't exist, it really is just the now. Um, And so, and so I think about that a lot how relationships, your connection with another person, it can only exist in the now. Um, You feeling alive and excited that doesn't happen in the past or the future it only happens in the now and and also that's another concept that um byron katie also beautifully illustrates uh, she's another new age author whose work i absolutely love where uh, she says again and again how when you fight with reality it's something it goes something like when you fight with reality, you only lose a hundred percent of the time. <laughs> and so I know it's like think about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um and so and so I, I think it's just this very simple idea that sure you can have your to-do list, you can have your um You can have your regrets about the past. You can have your ruminations or idealizations about the future. But really, the only life that is happening is right in front of you, right here, right now. And the more you're paying attention, the more you get to fully exercise your autonomy of how you want to feel in your present moment. And what choices are you consciously going to make in the present moment that is going to align you the most with the life that you want to live. That brings you the most authentic joy.
1: Yeah. And I, I love how you say that if you pay attention, like you'll notice that the universe speaks to us very quietly, but it speaks to us in, in different ways. And I think so often we're like wanting these big, grandiose gestures, signs from the universe but if we're paying attention, we can pick up on the more nuanced little things in our daily lives that point us in the right direction.
0: Yes, and um, be careful what you wish for, because
1: <laughs>
0: if you ask for a big, grandiose gesture. Um, you might get one, but it might be, like, really sucky. <laughs> but it might be exactly what you need, so.
1: <laughs> right. Uh, Yumi, um i i this has been such an awesome conversation, and I think our our listeners are going to be get get a lot of value out of the 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 principles in your book again it's your illustrated guide to becoming one with the universe um or Yigbao too if you wanna if you want to start <laughs> doing that you know um <laughs> but i I wanted to wrap up with kind of just um, telling our listeners where they can find you and also um, what new projects you have going on and what people can look uh, look out for from you in the near future?
0: Oh, yeah. So the easiest way to keep up to date with me is on my Instagram, which is at Yumi Sakugawa. And I've been posting quite a lot on my stories. I, I feel like... Um, my Instagram stories is a fun way for me to just sort of stream of conscious um, offer tips and advice and ideas and what I'm just like thinking about in the moment. And it's been really freeing and invigorating for me to just sort of post whatever's on my mind without overthinking
1: it. Hopefully I can do that one day.
0: <laughs> yeah, we we all can. And, and so and yes, I do have a Twitter and Facebook page, but I'm just not really active there these days. I'm experimenting with being just active on Instagram and I found that to be really uh, interesting actually to just focus on one social media platform. Um, For those of you in Los Angeles and Southern California I am in a group art show in Pasadena it's called Cosmic Threads the black and white show um, happening from May 16th through May 30th of next uh, of this year, 2019, at Judson Studios East. I I will be posting quite a lot about this on my Instagram, so just keep an eye out for that. And I am working on a book proposal, so I am not saying too much about this book. I'm experimenting with telling nobody what this book is about, so hopefully sometime this year you'll be hearing news about uh, my next upcoming
1: book. I love it. I'm excited. Excited to read it. Yumi, uh, thank you so much for being here.
0: Thank you, Ruben. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Hey, thanks for listening. You can find the show notes for this episode and all other episodes on my website at thinkgrowprosper.com slash podcast. That's where I put all the links and resources mentioned in each episode. It's also where I put the outlines of topics covered, which is a really good way to refer back to episodes in the future. Lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, I'd love to hear about it. Feel free to leave a review on iTunes with your biggest takeaway. I make it a point to read all the reviews. You can also screenshot this episode and share it to your social media along with something you learned or found interesting. And tag me in your post because I'd love to see what you found interesting. Say hi and thank you for your support.